On the Record with White House correspondent April Ryan. I have former Philadelphia Mayor Michael Nutter on the phone with me. We're going to talk about the Electoral College. President Trump is talking about, you know, the Electoral College and and winning the election and how many people he won uh, with the Electoral College uh, vote in uh, the last presidential election. And uh, first of all, thank you, uh, Mayor Nutter, for joining me. Um, April, thank you, and thank you for your work. Oh, thank you, sir. Um, talk to me. You know, I'm hearing from Democrats that, like in the last presidential election, the Democrats will win the popular vote, but that Electoral College is the issue that is hard to, to grapple with for Democrats. Well, uh, I mean, I don't know if it's hard uh, for Democrats to win. I mean, obviously, Barack Obama won both both the Electoral College and the popular vote. But this unusual uh, situation, I think now has happened five times uh, in American history, uh, where someone has won the popular vote, lost the Electoral College, and of course, at the end of the day, uh, it's the Electoral College that puts you in the White House, not necessarily the popular vote, which we painfully experienced, some of us, I'm a Democrat, uh, painfully experienced in uh, 2016. But, you know, uh, we have to deal with, you know, why was Electoral College created in the first place? Well, it unfortunately has uh, at least some of its roots uh, going back to slavery um, and how uh, votes were going to be accounted for and how people were going to be accounted for uh, as related to uh, those states uh, that uh, had uh, slaves uh, at the time. So, you know, I mean, we, we've we certainly uh, uh, progressed. We've moved forward to some extent, you know, 240 plus years uh, later. And so this is an unusual component of American democracy. You know, many, many countries have adopted almost uh, verbatim uh, substantial parts of our United States Constitution. But as far as I know, virtually none of them have taken on the Electoral College as a, as a component. Everywhere else, and everywhere else in America, the person who wins, gets the most votes, wins. Even in those places where a 50% uh, plus one standard is in place, where you might have a runoff. But that's it. You get more votes than, than, than the other person in a general election, you win. This is the only election in the United States of America where you can get more votes than the other person and not necessarily win. And so it should be uh, uh, re-examined uh, and questioned, uh, but also further educating uh, people uh, as to why we have it in the first place. And so it's a legitimate, uh, more than legitimate discussion at this time. Hmm. It's archaic and it's kind of um, the loser wins. It flips the, the, the natural progression of yeah. winning. Well, right. I mean, you know, I ran for city council, uh, you know, my first time, uh, the other person got more votes. I lost. That's it. I mean, there's no, I mean, it's not like a, you know, some second bite at the apple. I ran for city council again, got more votes, won. Ran for mayor, got more votes, won. Um, I mean, everyone is used to that. And so it is a complete anomaly in American democracy. It is the only office in this country that I am aware of where you can get more votes, more people vote for you than the other candidate or candidates and you possibly don't win. We should be talking about that. Um, but, I mean, you know, look, that, <laughs> but that's the current rule. And so, you know, we have to be able to do more, more than one thing at a time. Let's, as Democrats, let's go 
So let's talk about... need to be focused on 2020. Yeah, let's talk about this crowded Democratic field. Mm. Um, you said, hmm. <laughs> um, it, it's, you know, for history's sake, it's great. Yeah. For It's a newsy. It's oh, newsy. Incredible. Yeah. Um, diverse. We've never had it like that. Um, you know, no matter what you think about Hillary Clinton, she broke barriers. You know, even Geraldine Ferraro, you know, it, it, Lenora Ferrari. Yes, Shirley Chisholm, 1972. If you don't have a seat at the table, bring a folding chair. (laughs) Yes. So we're now these. And I I would then add, but if you're going to be at the table, know why you're there and do something. And and that's exactly the conversation that we had before. Let's talk about that. The fact that you have some of these Democratic candidates. Well, first of all, before we even get there, these Democratic candidates are now bringing something to the table that we hadn't, that really hasn't been dealt with by Democratic candidates, presidential candidates before. They're bringing to the table issues of reparations to get the black vote, which is interesting. And we've been talking, I've been, we've been talking about that for the last 22 years since I've been here. You know, um, John Conyers used to bring that up all the time, you know, with a resolution in the House every year while he was there. Um, this is a real issue, the stain on America, slavery. And But then you have candidates going into what we were talking about. Oh, let's move beyond this. Uh, um, you know, Amy Klobuchar says, you know, about race. We need to go beyond this. And then Bernie Sanders said, what? You know, we don't need to look at race or gender. And pick, yeah, when picking a candidate. Well, go ahead. Every room I walk in, I know that somebody is uh, looking at me, and they are considering uh, race and gender. Every room. And so, for those of us of color, um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 the first three minutes. It's the first five minutes. I mean, we know our experiences. I mean, we have to uh, convey a message very quickly, very early on in any engagement with virtually anyone as to who we are and what we're about, and those two factors are automatically taken into consideration uh, for for the context. So, what you what somebody someone who's saying that? I mean, maybe hopefully they're not saying it on purpose. Maybe they just don't understand. But when you tell me I don't want to take race and gender uh, in the, shouldn't be a, a factor, what you you now basically want to say? I want to ignore you. And you're right about that because I, I, I don't see you. And and people don't realize we still are in a time in 2019 where race is always on the table, but it's put to the side. And right. and when you look at every category, brown and black America, particularly black America, has the highest numbers of negatives in almost every category. We're, we're the highest in, in, in virtually all the bad things. Mm-hmm. And we're the lowest in all the uh, good measurements. So, I mean, there has to be a reason for that, right? I mean, yeah, I mean the you know the law of averages, the law of the universe would suggest that. I mean, you, a group of people, I mean, thirty plus million of us. I mean, we can't just somehow by happenstance uh, have the worst, you know, health outcomes, education, uh, incarceration, uh, crime. Uh, 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 homelessness, jobs, uh, all of that, and then on 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 the flip side of all those measurements, be at be at the bottom for all the good stuff. I mean, that's just unnatural. So you have to look behind. Why is that going on? What is happening? 
And so, I mean, whether it's a conversation about, you know, reparations or what's the value of that, or, I mean, until we deal with, we as a country, we as Americans, until we come to grips with the stain of how things got started, the building of the country literally on the, the, the feet, the hands, the shoulders, and the backs of black people. We, we can't completely move forward. And it cannot be ignored. It will not be ignored. So, in the midst of all of this, um, yeah. basically this conversation of how to look at 2020, particularly if you're a minority, um, who looks good to you so far? I mean, we got a long way to go. Kamala went from number one down to yeah. three, and I was telling people it's hard to sustain for that long oh, yeah. period of time yeah. to be number yeah. one. Yeah, I, I think, you know, having, you know, again, run, I mean, obviously I didn't run for president, but, you know, kind of relative to, to some extent. Um, you know, if, he, if, if uh, people like to say all things being equal, which they never are, but, I mean, as a candidate, uh, it is tough. I mean, it, it's almost a uh, uh, place you don't want to be. You don't want to start out at the top. Because the other part of that we know, you only have one place to go. Right? So, right? I mean, they, they, if you're at number one, there's nowhere else to go but down. And so I've always thought about it more as, you know, try to start out at a decent place, build, 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 and then, you you know, you kind of want to peak right about, right about the election. Uh, you also become a target, right? So, I mean, and these folks, everybody will kind of go up and down to some extent. We saw that in 2016 on the Republican side. Uh, where, I mean, it was almost hysterical. I mean, everybody seemed to have their week. Uh, they were getting their, you know, their 15 minutes. They, I mean, remember, Ben Carson was, was leading uh, at one point. Yes, he uh, was. In the, uh, in, in the Republican nominee. I mean, everybody seemed to have their week, and then they disappear and get knocked off, and then the next one will come along. But, uh, you know, when I think about this field, I mean, when you look at, you've got uh, Mayor Pete, um, and then you've got, you know, some of our more senior folks. I mean, there's, I think, like a 30 to 35-year span between uh, the youngest and the more senior folks. I mean, that's a whole lot of time. A lot of people with uh, significant experience. I was on a panel uh, panel discussion with uh, Mayor Mitch Landrew up at uh, Harvard the other week. Uh, young people were talking about, I think five of the folks out on, uh, declared people out uh, are former, former or in the case of uh, Mayor, uh, Mayor Pete, uh, a current uh, mayor, but five people with, uh, you know, mayoral uh, experience. Uh, uh, that's um, that's pretty interesting uh, in and of itself. Um, these folks have records. Uh, what I've been struggling with is, you know, is the notion of politics as almost entertainment. Uh, that people want to be, uh, they want to be excited, they want to be entertained, they want to, you know, I believe you want to be uplifted, you want somebody to be able to deliver a great speech and make you feel good, et cetera, et cetera. I, that, let's be a little less emotional about this and a lot more focused on trying to win. Hmm. If you're a Democrat and you want to you know, remove the current occupant of the White House from that particular position, then we need to be focused on the fundamental question, can this person win? That all of this other, you know, well, um, I don't like them or they don't inspire me or they don't do this or they don't do that or they'll do the other thing. I mean, look, let's be, let's, let's be real. You're probably not going to have, like, many personal conversations with this person. 
moving next door to you? Can they win? Can they do the job? What in their history and background would indicate that they would be able to handle being basically the most powerful person on the planet? That they could run this country uh, with, uh, with a level of integrity? That they could actually try to bring people together, this diverse uh, nation, this melting pot and, and growing, this soon-to-be majority-minority country that the world, up until recently, has looked upon as a beacon of leadership. And now uh, we're almost uh, off to the side, becoming more uh, insular and, and, and taking ourselves off of, the, off of the world stage. Who's going to be able to restore all of that? That's, that's really my question, that's my test, uh, and that's what I think about uh, amongst this incredible field of uh, diverse, smart, uh, funny, intelligent, serious uh, candidates that we have, who can win and who can do the job. That's all I really care about right now. Who do you think will ultimately pull it out? Who has the best chance, um, in your opinion? And let's say, let's say Joe Biden is in the equation. Mm-hmm. Who do you think? Do you think it will be Kamala? Do you think it will be Joe Biden? Do you believe it will be Bernie? Who? Well, you know, I, I, uh, I'm going to resist for a moment. Uh, it was a little, little too early. Uh, I mean, as you pointed out, I think when we got started, there's a, a, there's a whole lot more territory to cover. Uh, Anything can happen now between now and then. Anything can happen. Well, and we certainly saw that in 2016. But uh, uh, the one thing I am concerned about is, and both parties have this going on, uh, where you have people who are, you know, on the um, how would I say, on the on the outer edges, uh, whether they're way way left or way way right. And the fact of the matter is, is uh, as I perceive it, still. Uh, the bulk of the country is in a, maybe is in a widening center. And so the ability to be able to, you know, the, we fell down, as Democrats, we fell down uh, in uh, not being able to fully communicate with folks in the heartland, people in rural, uh, people uh, some extent in the suburbs. Um, we didn't fully energize our, our, our base uh, in the African-American uh, and Latino communities. Uh, women felt left out uh, to some extent in, in, in some places, or white women, uh, African-American women, 94% voted for Hillary in 2016 um, as a rock-solid base of support uh, there. But we can't take anybody for granted. I mean, this is, uh, you know, kind of in a different way. No one can really be left behind or taken for granted. Uh, And uh, the candidate, I think, that, you know, comes a a little more down the middle, obviously, you know, with maybe some progressive uh, components, but I I don't necessarily know that an all-progressive, all-the-time uh, kind of campaign is 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 going to fully capture uh, the, the the breadth and depth of people that we would need in a coalition uh, to be able to, uh, as Democrats, take back the White House. Folks need to stay woke and they need to vote. With this week's On the Record, I'm AURN White House correspondent April Ryan. Don't forget to subscribe to On the Record on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or any other podcast directory. If you like what you hear, leave a five-star review. On the Record, a product of American Urban Radio Networks. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. 
Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.